Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. It's Mav Sports Take, episode 58. 58 weeks with David Turner. Every single week, talking football. Of course, we are unmuzzled sports talk, focusing on the business of sports. A lot of it, what you do hear about, and there's also a decent amount that you don't. So we really dive deep in to the business side in the sports world and uncover the truth. So it's Unmuzzled Talk. We are live here on a Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern Time, live on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and apparently on TikTok, which uh, David Turner is testing out for the first time tonight. We have a really fun show. Before we do, I hope wish you all, if you can like, share, subscribe, and give us a rating on this podcast. It helps us out. It helps out the viewers. Helps up the content and the quality of the show. We really appreciate if you would please do that for us real quick. Today on the show, we have Mr. Aquil Glass coming on. Alabama A&M star quarterback, all swack quarterback over each of the last three seasons. A really talented football player, draftable player in my opinion. We have the fortune of talking to Aquil several times over the last couple years. Then after we're done with Aquil and in between, we're going to be talking about the panic meter, man. We're going to be talking about 0-2 teams through the first two weeks, heading into week three. And we're going to kind of do it, you know, a little bit of a, we're going to kind of, kind of, um, we're going to decide how worried we are for some of these franchises. If the panic meter should be all the way up, if we're like, ah, they can get back out of this hole. We'll see what, what happens before we start though, into the topics for tonight. Of course, I'm joined by 18 year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, three great, three straight Alina League championships with the Arizona Rattlers in the front office, in the scouting world, Mr. David Turner, in the consultant world, and in the daily fantasy sports <laughs> world. David Turner does it all. David, how are you tonight, my friend? Doing well tonight. It's been, you know, it's exciting to be back on another episode and being live on TikTok. It's something that's new for us. You know, if people want to go join in there, uh, feel free to find us on TikTok and join in and follow and share the videos that we create all week long on TikTok. But that being said, I'm just excited. I mean, my DFLs, we'll get into that a little bit. It is such a fun experiment with me right now. I can't even imagine like not watching games anymore and not having DFS. That's it's just so exciting and so much fun. So um, I'm happy to be on tonight with you. I think our guests are going to be amazing. Our topics are going to be amazing. And uh, I'm ready to just line it up and get after it again. Well, but you really do deserve combat pay being on here so many weeks with me and <laughs> 58 weeks. Uh, you definitely deserve combat pay. Well, uh, I mean, you could make it an IOU, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> just run me a tab. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be some deductions out of your pay in the future, but appreciate you, of course, for being on here with me. And let's start with the DFS as we wait for our for our guest to come on for tonight. How was this week? I know last time we talked, the last week wasn't the best week for you. How did you fare this past week? 
I got mopped with this week. My DFS got mopped. So it was, no, I mean, you shouldn't say mopped. I mean, again, I'm right outside the money. I'm making a little bit of money. Like I bet 58 bucks or something. I wound up making 28 back. So, I, you know, I lost 30 bucks, you know, but I'm right outside the money and I'm, I'm learning how to pair things. I'm learning how to, where you put players to maximize their earning potential. And, you know, it seems like, you know, one of the strategies is always pairing a good quarterback with one of their receivers, maybe not two just one and then also you might not want to put the quarterback at the top as your mvp getting your point and a half you might want to put them you know in the regular role and put the receiver at the point and a half position because a guy like cooper cup this weekend you know he wound up getting a ton of points at the you know at the uh, mvp points for that and but you know, and regular regular points at Stafford, you know, he didn't really get that point and a half advantage. It's just different having a quarterback versus a receiver and that point and a half advantage. And then the other thing that you you might want to think about or look look onto and uh, when you're when you're doing it is running backs. A, a, a lot of the winning rosters have two and three running backs on it um, that go off. So you really got to research your running back to know which ones are are going to go off and stuff. And last night, like I had the, I had a great lineup. I had a really great lineup last night. I picked the, the receiver with two names for the green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Scantling. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers missed him on the rub route for the one touchdown. He, he overthrew him on two other touchdowns. I mean, they took shots with the guy and he was wide open on all three shots. And it's like, if they would have hit those shots, I mean, I would have gotten three touchdowns by him. And people would have been like, who would have ever played this guy? I think he was only owned in like 7% of the leagues. And I was just like, yes, that was it. That was... And I knew they were going to game plan for him because everybody else is stacked up against, you know, Adams and they're worried about Jones or worried about the tight end, Tanya. So it's like, who's the, who's the next guy up? Well, the double name guy is, is the next guy up. So Double named guy. Double named guy. Love so, him. yeah, I totally went and uh, I put him in and, and they just missed the throws for him. And I was really like, ah. I knew it. I knew it. But then they missed the throws. How's, how's your podcast doing? I forgot to ask you about your DFS podcast. You know what? We did not get that up and going yet. We've, oh, we've, okay. we hit a little glitch in scheduling. We hit a little glitch in scheduling because of his schedule and my schedule. So we're still working those kinks out to, and, and where we can put it up efficiently to get the information out to everybody. So we've pulled the plug for now, but it's something we are working to get fine-tuned. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think while we wait for our guests to arrive, I think we should start in on some of this panic meter. So, David, I want to phrase it like this, okay? We're going to go through all the 0-2 teams. We're going to do it on a scale of 1 to 3, okay? 3 being, uh, 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 we are sending life preservers out. We are in trouble here, man. We, SOS, help us out here. 2, undecided, and number one is you're not panicked at all. You think you think that they can come out of it, okay? So we're going to do that on a one to three, three being the worst possible situation. We're going to start with the team that you know, that you worked for, that you love, the New York Giants. Of course, with your affinity with uh, Mr. Gettleman over there. I know you have a very nice relationship with him. So, and I know that you also have been on Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer for a few times over the last few weeks talking about this team. So... Asking you, scale of one to three, how worried are you about the New York Giants? I'm gonna go with a two. I really do. I think the Giants have been playing. They played tough ball. 
you know, when you look at them in their uh, margins of loss right now, is I mean, I think they got points for 42 points against 57. You know, their offense isn't holding the ball and sustaining drives well enough yet. And the offensive line is just not holding up. And then they lost one of their best offensive linemen last week. He's gone for the season in Gates. So if they could ever figure that out, if they if, if Price and some of the guys, they made some late moves um, after cutdowns come into play and make it work for them. Now we got it. Now they got a shot. The defense isn't playing terrible, even though Graham is not playing aggressive enough for my taste. You know me; I'm a roll up to zero coverage and go. I mean, uh, out of the out of the nine or so drives that uh, Washington had the other night, four of the scoring drives were over ten plays. It was like 11, 12, 11, 14. I mean, as soon as that drive gets to eight, you got to go to zero coverage and blitz and get off the field, man. Like, you can't be allowing this 8, 11, 10, 14 play drives and then they score. You really just got to bow up and go get them. And if you're not willing to do that, I got a problem with that. You know, I understand the bendo break between the 30s, right? You know, 30 to 30, okay. But once you get to that, once your butt's on that 30 yard line, let's go get it. Like, you know, like, what do you get? I would rather have a coach turn to me and be like, well, I tried something and they scored. You know, versus the thirteen play drive and tire out your your defense, and then you know by the end of the game they were all exhausted because offense can't stay on the field. So, am I hitting the three on them yet? No, I don't think it's three yet. But I also think that they're at a two. They're definitely at a two. Where do you think I am on that? I think you're coming in with a three because you're a giant hater and you don't like them and you never have and you don't like Daniel Jones and all the all the stuff that we've heard for two years now, as long as I've known you. I'm coming in with a three. And it's not <laughs> because I'm a it's not it's not because I'm a giant hater, okay? It's, I'm again I You feel the same way about the Giants as you do the Florida teams in college. That's not football. true. That's not true because I, I am in Eagles country here, right outside of Philadelphia, but I am not an Eagles fan. I do not care about the NFC East, so I am not biased here towards my my what's the word? I, I just I think the New York Giants are poorly constructed. I think they're a poorly constructed football team. We just talked about this before we even started. I mean, right now, man, I like Andrew Thomas coming out of Georgia, but he looks bad at left tackle. Like he looks bad. Their right tackle, I got per just got benched. Like, what's happening over at right tackle? Solder, I know, has been dealing with some stuff. Inside, Nick Gates gets hurt, right? Hernandez hasn't been the same guy over the last few years. Like, it is just an awful offensive line. Like, let's just call it what it is. You know, I don't like Daniel Jones. I don't. I will be. I did not see it at Duke. I had a day two grade on him. I was like, maybe he could develop into a, you know starting caliber quarterback, but the sixth overall pick, which where he was selected, was much too rich, to say the least. I know we're going to always bump quarterbacks up the board a little bit, but Daniel Jones for me is like, whether it's an interception or a fumble, like he is a turnover waiting to happen, man. And when you're constructed behind a bad offensive line for a quarterback that has had a tendency to turn the football over, recipe for disaster, especially when your best player, your running back, is coming off an injury, nowhere to run, He's still, you know, trying to figure it out coming back from that injury. So where is your explosive plays coming? Uh, Kenny Galladay is uh, – I really like Kenny Galladay. I like him for what he is. He's a possession-based receiver. He wins in the air. He does a lot of good stuff outside the numbers. No explosiveness, though. Like, he's not a guy that's going to really take the top off. 
Darius Slayton can from time to time, but he's inconsistent. Sterling Shepard is a pure slot guy. He's winning in tight quarters. He's not threatening the vertical plane of the field. Tight end-wise, Evan Ingram somehow made a Pro Bowl last year. Evan Ingram's awful. Like, let's call it what it is. He's a bad football player. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, solid tight end. Solid NFL tight end. But even him, there's limitations. He's not a guy that's going to threaten the seam a ton. He's a guy that, like, hey, he's going to hit some sticks. He's going to hit some, you know, some some tough yardage over the middle of the field. Like, he's going to do that. He's going to hit gonna some block. sticks. He's make him sound like a drummer. All right, shut up. Hit some you know All right, chill out. Chill out. All right. So the offense is just so poorly constructed. I agree the defense has some redeeming qualities for sure. But then the biggest thing that you didn't even mention, and I know that I'm maybe – I don't know about completely different um, wavelengths on this, but, man, I am out on Joe Judge, man. I'm out on it. I'm out. Even before the season started, I am out. I liked a lot of what he did last year. There was a lot of good things and a lot of positives. But we had guys getting signed to that football team this past offseason and retiring within days. Like, there's something that, that's not right there, man. There's something that's not right. And I am a former high school coach, but, like, the, the high school vibe that he gives off, like, hey, coaches are going to run laps. Like, that doesn't work for me in the professional ranks, man. So I am all the way up on a three on the New York Giants. I The only redeeming quality to them, besides for the solid defense, is the fact that, like, they do play in a bad conference right now. I mean, who's the favorite right now? Is it the Cowboys? Are the Eagles kind of for real? I don't wouldn't say for real, for real, but like, are they a contender to win that division? The Washington football team are now all on. I know Heineke's a, a serviceable backup quarterback, but like, who is going to win that division? So that's I think what the best thing that the Giants have going for them, and the fact that they're in a bad division. But I all the way panic meter. Turn it up, crank it up, uh, 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 out on the New York Giants, out. I just, I again, I can't go. Uh, 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 I can't put, ring <laughs> ring the bells and put the sirens on it because I think when when we talk about some of these other teams coming that are zero two, yeah, the the case for them to be on the the extreme hot seat, uh, sound the alarm, and make people go, what's going on with them? I think the the arguments are going to be so much easier to make for them. Well, we got a couple of those coming. We absolutely do. We're going to invite Aquil Glass on in just a second. Before we do, would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching from an expert? Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for the recruiting process. With limited scholarships given each year, having a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure their opportunity to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them, whether uh, to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals in 2022. Contact us at mavericksportsconsulting.com today. So like I said, we're going to welcome on Mr. Aquil Glass, a young man that I have had the pleasure of talking to. I, I, I don't know, Aquil, you can you can correct me in a sec, but I think this is like four or five times, something like that, man. But we have, of course, the Alabama A&M star quarterback, 77 career touchdown passes, nearly 9,000 passing yards, and all slack selection over each of the last three years. Welcoming Aquil to the show during his fall season, which has started 2-0 and so far, man. How are you, brother? Long time, no talk. Doing good, right? It's been a minute, but uh, I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I I know. Uh, I, I should have wore my uh, my Quill glass shirt on tonight, man. Just got just got the merch, you know. Um, 
But we appreciate you, of course, as always. I appreciate you for hopping on with us. I think it's your first time with David. He's a former NFL scout, so I know he's going to have some eyes on you. He's got the HBCU kind of lens on as well. So I want to kind of start off with this season, of course. 2-0 start, like I said. South Carolina State, real close game. I think it was like 44 to 42, 42 to 41, somewhere in that ballpark. And then you guys have another close victory over Bethune Cookman um, this past week. Talk to me a little bit about. I know that you guys went from right spring into fall football. What has the atmosphere been like around the team, man? Two and zero. I know you guys haven't lost a football game in a while. What is just the atmosphere right now around Alabama A&M? Uh, it's just it's exciting. You know, it's all about winning at this point. You know, we're taking it one game at a time, one practice at a time, one play at a time. You know, just trying to do our jobs each each day and uh, come out and win our next football game. You know. Uh, Coach Manning said after the championship, he said he doesn't plan on losing the game for a long time here. So um, I think that's the plan for everybody. And uh, everybody's bought in, everybody's excited, and everybody's just working each day to get better. David, I don't know. I, I never told you this before, and obviously this is your first time with the Quill. His head coach, uh, uh, Coach Maynard, was actually – have you ever seen the, the uh, movie Any Given Sunday? Well, it's been a while, but yes. Yes. Willie Beeman. The 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 quarterback, of course, played by J, uh, by uh, Jamie Fox. His stunt double that did all the crazy throws and and working was actually Coach Maynard was, was the uh, stunt double for Willie Beeman. Just to throw that out there real quick, it's a pretty cool little stat for you. <laughs> there's there, there's a piece of information that will come up it's on awesome, a Jeopardy man. test. It's so cool. It's so cool. Oh yeah. Okay. So cool. You, you geek out over the funniest stuff, bro. I swear to God. Uh, well, I, I, it was like one of the first times so I asked a quill. I was like, you know, is Coach Maynard ever warm up the arm a little bit, man? Because he could, he could sling it a little bit, you know? I'm sure he could sling it and sling it farther than either you or I can sling it. My arm will fall off if I try to sling it anymore. That's just the way it goes. So, Quill, I don't know if you know, but I work with the uh, HBCU Combine last year. We, we pulled off the first one down in a, uh, Alabama A&B. Uh, Alabama, Birmingham, um, and I'm very proud to say that I was part of that flagship program. It's uh, something near and dear to my heart, so when Ryan said we were going to have you on, I was like, oh, here we go. Let's get it on. Let's get this guy some hype and, and bring some uh, you know bring some notoriety to not only your school, your program, yourself, but your clothing line, because Ryan said it was, it was pretty slick. You got some stuff going on there, so I'm pretty excited to talk with you tonight, and I hope you have a little time for us, because I'd like for our audience to get to know you, you know, and get to know about your story a little bit. For sure, for sure. What was the transition like for you playing in the spring, right? You guys played your season last spring in 2020, and then you really had very little time off, and then springing right into a full season now in the fall. What was that like, especially for you? You know, your arm gets worn out. You know, you're a pit, you know, it's like a pitcher in baseball. You got to have some rest. Um, what 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 was it like for you, though? Uh, I mean, for me, it was, it was good, honestly. I felt like... There's one of those things where sometimes, you know, you get the off season, like spring football isn't always the same. Like normal spring practice and the spring games aren't the same as real game reps. So to be able to go out there and play games and actually have to see other people and see other teams and then have a couple months off and then go right back to it, you know, I was still in football mode. So I think it's more of a it – was, it was supposed to be a curse in some ways, but it was, it was more of a blessing. Just to have everybody, you know, still focused on football and still in that game mode well, was really good. Now, has there been a sense of normalcy yet, or is it still kind of like 
I know when I played football and played sports and went back to back seasons for two different things, you kind of were in that mode. So, you know, that com- competitive, you know, mode so bad that it, it doesn't sink in and, and you're not really normal till maybe after the season. But because you guys had these back to back seasons, has there been a sense of normalcy for you guys yet? Has the coaches or the program done anything to help you find some normalcy in this chaotic time? Uh, I think the normalcy came our first game. You know, we hadn't played a home game in, since 2019. So just wow. to have the home game and have have that full capacity and all the fans be there was a, was a great feeling, you know, just to have that atmosphere back after not having it in the spring was, was really great. But as far as normalcy goes, like, I feel like it's been pretty normal, you know, besides, besides the fact that we know we played in the spring, like besides that, everything's been – uh, the normal schedule, you know, we had fall camp right into our first game. So uh, it's back to regular football, I, I would say. Aquil, it, what, what was it like? I just want to kind of focus in on the spring for a second. Obviously, the unfortunate circumstances around COVID and getting delayed into the spring. You may have played in the only spring season, hopefully, right, crossing our fingers, that anybody will ever play in. What was it like just kind of playing during the spring, being the only football that's being played? It had to be a little weird, I think. Yeah, it felt a little weird at times, but it was one of those things where, you know, you took the took the good with the bad. You know, we turned a bad situation into a good situation just to be able to have the amount of exposure and TV time that we had was great. You know, with Dion joining the league and games getting moved up to ESPN1 and things like that were some things that I don't think will ever happen again. So just to have the opportunity was a blessing and to be able to put myself and my team on that platform was huge. Here's a question. I think David's going to really like this question. So I'm going from the HBCU angle for a second, right? So I've asked you this before, just about like, hey, when you were Alabama A&M, because originally you were a Florida international, right? You were you were planning on going there down there. Yeah. Um, and then the coaching change happened. So you go to Alabama A&M just for like a little context of the decision. So take me like kind of a timeline as far as like when you were making the decision, how much did you know about the historical context of the HBCUs? And now looking at it now, where we're having a renaissance to a degree with Coach Coach Prime that you mentioned already, obviously over there at Jackson State. We got Eddie George now coaching Tennessee State. Like exciting times for the HBCUs. What has just kind of been like your general, I, I guess, growth as far as the appreciation of HBCUs? Um, I've always known about them because, you know, uh, it's a funny thing, my, my dad actually graduated from Alabama and then and then my mom got her graduate degree from Howard. So um they've always been a part of my life and I've always known about them, but to really like get the chance to come here and experience it for myself and experience all the alumni, all the students, everything like that, you know, it's been made me appreciate it even more. You know, it's just um just the camaraderie that we all have as a university and the pride that people take in their HBCU is huge. So as far as my growth, you know, it's just it's my love and my appreciation for these universities, not only Alabama and m but every single historical black college university has been huge. You know, I, when I was scouting for the Raiders is when I started really learning more about HBCUs and, you know, uh, Grambling in particular, because we had some ties to Grambling and, you know, the Grambling man was special and the Grambling man was uh, accountable. The Grambling man. I kept hearing about the Grambling, the Grambling, Grambling. And so I finally was like, I need to, f- I need to figure out what this really means. And so I started diving into some of the history and the program and finding out more about, you know, 
Southern and Grambling and then A&M and more and more uh, HBCUs. And I was like, wow, there's a story that just drowned out by PWIs. You know, the PWIs just drowned out the stories that HBCUs have. And really, there's some really beautiful stories. And a friend of the program, Steve Weish, a Howard graduate, um, you know, he's a guy that obviously I talk to on a pretty much monthly, if not weekly basis. And he, he's always about Howard, Howard University. Oh, yeah. and he, he's pumping Howard. And, you know, according to the now, word on the street is Howard still has the best homecoming, which, you know, I don't know. I guess their their, uh, their alumni take really big pride in that one, you know. But mm-hmm. Maybe A&M's coming up. I don't know. We're going to have to. I think we're going to launch a, a Hulu channel on uh, HBCU homecoming events and see who can win the competition. Yeah, It'll be like Battle of the Homecoming. Battle of the Homecoming <laughs> HBCU style, baby. Let's get it on. Yeah. Well, I bring it to house. You know, let's well, see some step competition, some big band. Like, let's get it going. Let's get some barbecue competition going, some spoken oh, word. Like, let's get a <laughs> let's get a whole festival going. I like it. But you know, I, I know you got the clothing line and everything, and I know you you got that going. What give us some more thoughts on the NIL movement? How do you how how have you tried to take advantage of it? And what what are some angles maybe that haven't yet come to fruition for you? You might be, you know, use this platform to put it out there. You know, speak it into existence here, and see if uh, maybe our audience or us here can help you get some get some movement on it. Yeah, like you said, you know, my my biggest thing was just the merch, getting that started, and then uh, as far as anything else, you know, it's just been about for me. It's always been about keeping the main thing the main thing. You know, without football, I wouldn't have the opportunity to capitalize off my name and likeness. So as long as I do my job on the field, you know, things will come. It's not one of those things like I'm truly like weren't worried about or pressing it's one of those things where like if i see opportunity with a brand that you know has some longevity and has an opportunity for me and them to have a growing relationship as i as my career moves forward you know that's been my main focus but as far as it for everybody it's just it's been a long time coming you know it's one of those things where you know people have had a lot of stuff taken away from them for things like this and to be able to do it and be in the moment now and be able to capitalize off of it it's great because, you know, it's just matching up my career perfectly, you know. I'm at the peak of it. I'm just continuing to get better and grow, and the, the NIL movement is growing with me. So it's been a great opportunity and just blessed to be able to take part in it. And, Quill, a question about, obviously, with the NIL stuff. I, I know a lot of people are obviously in different situations, like how are we going to attack the whole process. For you, I know we, we've talked about it in the past, is like, I think a big recruiting pitch that a lot of schools have right now is the fact of like, hey, you come here, we're going to educate you and we're going to help you to make that money off of your name to help you better market yourself. How how, how do you feel like A&M specifically tackled that ability? Because I think a lot of coaches, obviously, I'm sure you had many conversations with coaches about like, hey, this is the next step. This is how we can help you. This is the vision that you need to have. Like, how do you feel like your institution specifically helped you to be prepared to tackle that market? I did a great job. You know, they brought in multiple different agents and marketing people and things of that nature to just talk with us and explain to us that not every deal is a good deal. You know, it may yep. seem appeasing on the uh, on the outside, but when you get down to the nitty gritty, you're you know, trading a lot of work for peanuts. So I think they've done a great job of just educating us. They they haven't really stopped us from doing anything. It's just one of those things where we have to let them know what we're doing. And if it, if it goes again.
with university and you know what they stand for then like we understand that they they have the power to veto it but um as far as just educating us and informing us they've done a great job and so I you're saying that A&M, the, the program and the students have an understanding that they have a veto power on the, uh, on the individual deal because it might conflict with the school deal, right? Right, right. You know, and that's interesting because that. some schools are taking a different approach. They're, they're, they're letting the individual deal kind of massage that uh, team deal a little bit. Right. You know, with us, like, I think the school is sponsored by Zaxby's, maybe. So, like, mm. say somebody, maybe Bojangles or something, I don't know if they would be in line to do that, things like that nature. But, you know, I think that anything that comes for people is going to be great. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know, Aquil, obviously, you know, there's a lot of angles we wanted to ask you about. Just the HBCU is obviously the update on the season. I want to talk to you about the NIL stuff, but I wanted to boast about you for a second, man, because I keep telling people like you need to figure out who you really need to hire is. Ryan as your your hype guy. I'm telling I you, man. Like I, I, I watched I, I watched him throw. I saw one game when he was a sophomore, and I'm like, that's that's some good stuff, man, man. Like that's not an ordinary FCS quarterback. You know, you can tell when the ball comes off a guy's hand just a little differently. And obviously, you are right around six foot four. You're 230 pounds. I think you have an opportunity to play at the next level, obviously. And and when I was talking to David before the show, I was like, "Hey, man, this guy has 77 career touchdown passes. He's got 9,000 total yard, uh, passing yards in his career. You're one of the better F, one of the better HBCU quarterbacks to come out in in some time. Just kind of taking a step back for a second. Cause I know you have a whole season. You still, uh, you know, you're at the at the the top of your career right now you're at the peak right now and there's only up from here but just kind of looking back on that context we talked a little bit about like the the resurgence of hbcus knowing that you are one of the best to come out maybe in some years just how much of a blessing has it been to be a part of that movement and be a part of an hbcu and to be a part of what might be a rebirth right now that's been huge for me you know it's one of those things where like i'm i'm really a guy that always is tries to you know stay two steps ahead you know and live in the moment almost so you know while you're while you're in the moment you don't really realize like what's going on but whenever you find yourself lying down thinking about it you know take a step back like it's huge you know to be able to be in the conversation with some of the greats from hbcus and to be able to have the opportunity to represent not only myself but represent all the hbcus to let them know that nfl talent comes from everywhere you just have to put in the hard work and believe in yourself so um, it's been huge, especially with all the media coverage that everything that's going on right now and where I'm at in the point in my career, it's been huge for me. So uh, like you said, it's been a huge blessing for my career. Um, you know, I've always had a dream and a goal to make it to the NFL and, you know, the stars are aligning in the, in the right position for me. And last question I have for you that we'll let you get out of here, Quill. We really appreciate all the time, of course. Obviously, there's a lot of goals I know around Alabama A&M. I saw a stat, like, you guys haven't lost a game, I guess, right, since, like, 2019, right? Because you were – I think you won every game in the spring. You're 2-0 so far. So you haven't lost a football game in a very long time right now. And I know you guys have big goals, and I know you have big goals. So individual team goals, what does this final season look like for you guys, do you think, in a perfect world? Uh, undefeated season, 12-0, and spike champions, and celebration bowl champions. You know, that's the only goal on our mind. And uh, that's one of those things where we try not to look too far ahead because, you know, every week is going to be a challenge. Like our 
like Coach Maynard always says, we have an X on our back. We've had it on there since we won the championship last year, and it's only going to get bigger. So, you know, we're going to get teams best shot every week. We just have to be prepared and ready for every team and everything that they throw at us. I can't wait to see him complete in the All-Star game coming up. And and I know he's going to be there. He's going to be one of the top performers. And, again, last week we had a quarterback guru on. It was great. I love the coach. But I, I can't stand that word guru. Um, but, I, I mean, you, we were talking about the, the maturation of quarterbacks. And you are so old school style. Like You are right up where I learned how to – Scout quarterback, 6'4", 230, big arm, big hands, like, you know, letting it fly. And he was like, oh, yeah, everybody's like Baker Mayfield now, 6'1". And this, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a heightist. I might stand 5'4", but <laughs> if, 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 if someone's not over 6'2 and a half, I really, I, it's hard for me to support that, that idea. You know, it really is. They have to be special and rare, whereas a guy like you, I – I mean, I would let you come in and sling it all day long just to, you know, give you a chance, give you an opportunity. But I imagine that some team's going to put a draft pick on you. And and at the end of the year, Ryan and I will probably have you back on. We'll talk more about it after we have a full resume of yours to digest and, you know, go through it. But, you know, I'll extend this. You know, at Maverick Sports Consulting, we've worked with Odell Beckham, uh, Todd Gurley, uh, Dante Fowler, all these guys about how to train for their interview prep and get ready to for that next step and that next level. So if you need anything from us and me individually and personally, just let me know. I appreciate it, as always. Absolutely. Aquil, so Aquil Glass, star quarterback, Alabama A&M. Aquil, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds, man. If you want to end us just with like, hey, here's the social media handles. Here's where you can find the merch store, like all that good stuff, man. The floor is yours. Yeah. Social media handles, Instagram, at Aquil, Aquil underscore glass dot four. Um, the merch is linked onto the onto the Instagram, so you can buy it directly from there or the links in, the, in my bio. So go copy merch, um, support your HBCU, whichever one it is, and um, just hope everybody stays blessed. Awesome, man. Well, I'll be bothering you again when we get into draft season, but best of luck the rest of the season, brother. Appreciate you hopping on with us for a few minutes. No problem. Appreciate you guys. Stay healthy. Be safe. I will. Thank you. All right, David. So, that again, is Mr. Aquil Glass, star quarterback out of Alabama AM. Like I said, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks. I mean, maybe the best quarterback to come out of an HBCU in several years. Like, I can't think of a guy off the top of my head that's come out in recent years. You know, obviously, like, the first guys I think about are, like, the Doug Williams of the world. So, um, like you said, he's got the old school style. I, I mean – Kid just knows how to layer the ball to multiple levels of the field. He's got a very strong arm, big stature. He's very sturdy in the pocket. I love a lot of what his game is. So I'm playing. Yeah, he's an HBCU Ben Roethlisberger. Let's be honest. That's that same similar style, size. You know what I mean? Thickness. He, he he's got the arm strength. He's that kind of style. And you know, again, he's not getting the hype. He's not getting it. But when you read the stats off, they're probably better than what Ben's was in college. Okay, so. When you're looking at the same statue, same height, same style, same individual, but better stats, we need to be talking about this kid more. This kid needs to get more attention. And that's why we're here. That's why, you know, God bless America and you because you bring these players to light. You help us get them on the show. You attract them to us so we can get them out and help everybody in the world know who they are early in their career. And hopefully we turn one or two of our buddies who are scouts on the road, their attention his way a little bit tonight. They maybe pay attention to him a little bit more and write up their report a little more favorably for him. Absolutely. I mean, I would be shocked. I I, I was looking at Blesto and National this offseason. I think that he was – 
I think he had a draftable grade for one and then he was bordering on a draftable grade for the other. And for me, like that type of kid, smarts, just he just does everything solidly, you know. Like I think that he's a guy that I would be shocked if he doesn't at least get an opportunity at the next level. I would be sh- I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be very surprised if he didn't cling on for a little bit. So I really like Aquil Glass a ton out of Alabama AM. Shout out to him for taking some time. We're gonna get back into our panic meter in a second. Before we do, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No. What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access to companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off the, their likeness while going to college. If it's simply that you don't have access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. As athletes' earnings potential is li- unlimited, Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help our clients achieve their goals. Just contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. All right, David. So we already talked about the New York Giants. I obviously was not um, too fond of their situation, to say the least. Um, So let's move in to a couple other of our 0-2 teams thus far. So we go now to, I have him in front of me, the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so Trevor Lawrence in the building, Urban Meyer, a head coach. He already put out a nice little, uh, little uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but it was like, oh, don't panic. Don't panic. A little message to the, to the fans. Don't panic, man. We got you. We're good. Um, I guess I'll start this one since I, I made you start the last one. As far as... Right now, this season, like it's a three, man. Like, let's we knew it was a three before we started. Like, let's be honest, man. Like, let's be completely honest here. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor's gonna be good. He's gonna be good. He's gonna last. He's gonna last. He's built to last. He's an incredibly talented football player. There are is he a Ford truck built to last. He is built to last, man. He's he basically is a Ford truck. Uh, he's built to last. There are some nice football players in the uh, Travis Etienne. Unfortunately, got injured, is out for the year. They're running back, but they still have James Robinson, who's a good football player. They have DJ Chark at wide receiver, who's a good football player. They have Josh Allen on defense at defensive end, who's a good football player. Miles Jack at linebacker, good football player. But let's be honest here, man. We, talk, we keep talking about bad offensive lines. Jacksonville at left tackle is awful. Interior is not great. Right tackle is okay. Um, but of course, you have a you have a rookie quarterback. You have your other first round pick is out injured for the year. Defense is a mess. The secondary is awful. Linebackers outside of Miles Jack is bad. Defensive interior is awful. And the reason that this is panic meter number three, the reason that we are all clicked up, is the fact that Urban Meyer is the coach. Like, let's be honest about this, man. Everybody knew it the second that they hired him. All right. We're already, he's already sending out messages like, don't, don't worry. I got you. I would just talk about being shocked a minute ago. I would be shocked if we go into the 2022 season and Urban Meyer is the head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is going to be a situation where they're going to go one and 15 or they're going to go two and 14. And, you know, he's going to have a, a, 
a health concern. He's going to be out of there very soon in the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's going to have a health concern. He's going to have a Trojan concern because he's going to be at USC doing this. Whatever it is, man. Whatever it is. I'm just going back to the past. I'm just going back to the past. Like we saw it with Florida. We saw it with Ohio State. Something happened, right? They had to take a step away. Their step away is going to be for a different reason. Those steps away in the past was because there were recruiting violations coming very soon and sanctions. But this one is going to be because – He's not an NFL coach. He's not. He can recruit his butt off of, and there's a reason for that because there's improper benefits. But the point of this is, Urban Meyer is not a head coach in the NFL. He's not. He's just not. He's not. He is not built to last. Trevor Lawrence will last. He will not. And whoever gets the next job, whoever gets the head coach job after Urban Meyer leads, I think is going to be in a decent situation because there's draft capital to be had, and there are some young redeeming qualities to that roster. But right now, this season, it's all going to be up on a three. It is over. It was over before it started. We knew Jackson was going to be bad. But the first two games, it's real bad, man. They got killed in the first game. They were actually winning 7 to nothing this past week. I was like, oh, wow, maybe this is Trevor Lawrence you know, being magical and they're going to win this game. Nope, they ended up getting blown out again. So this is a bad roster. This is a bad football team. I think one to two wins is right about the ceiling for this team. Yeah, no, this is a panic button. Like you said, before they even kicked it off, um, it was a situation where it was going to be terrible no matter what because of decision-making at the top from how they how they put the front office together through the whole thing. I got friends on the staff. I think there's some good coaches on the staff. I think there's some good people in the front office, but I just think that, you know, it's just too limited in certain certain areas. And, you know, let's be honest here. I mean, these guys have, you know, this team so far, uh, their their time of possession is less than two minutes right now. Okay. Their their average starting position in two games is their 21 and 21 and 0.7. I mean, that's not even a touchback anymore. And a touchback right. for a 25 yard line, right? So I mean, it's just not even start. I mean, I think they've given up 15 or 17 first downs from penalties, um, helping their opponents out, you know, when they should be getting off the field. They passing yards is almost 600 passing yards in the first ga- two games. Uh, they have, you know, the opponents' quarterbacks are 20, uh, what was it, attempts 67 of them, 47 of them complete. So, you know, again, it's just it's just not set up for success in any which way about it. Like you were saying, you know, Trevor Lawrence has some tools, has some skills. Shark's got some skills. This is a long haul. This is a rebuilding model. This is somebody and so a team that's going to take, I think, not next year even, but the year after, because next year they're going to have to stay young, build through the draft, and then this year's draft class, last year's draft class will mature. You know, I think it's going to be 2023 before we see this team get turned around. And obviously, if, you know, Urban, for some reason, is still there, it's it's just not going to get done. He's a college coach. He's a recruiter. He's used to having superior talent over being a superior coach. So it's just different in the in the league because up there everybody's good, every position's good. You can't pick on a kid that you know doesn't belong playing against your Ohio State receivers. So you know it's just going to be tough. And like right now, I think their leading rusher has seventy-two yards on the season on sixteen attempts or something like that. James Robinson, right? Yeah. yeah, you know. So it's just it's going to be really hard, really really hard for them to redeem this season. I got a three on them. I say it's a panic button. I think if you're if you're one of the twelve Jacksonville Jaguar fans out there, I'm sorry. Enjoy the parking lot pre parties. 
Um, Jacksonville is a beautiful place to hang out, but as far as winning football games this year, you guys are going to be in the top one or one or two again. Let me ask you something real quick. You remember after last season when we were talking about like the coaching carousels and stuff, right? Do you remember like we were talking about it and we were saying like worst case scenario and we thought it was maybe realistic was like they retained Doug Marone and then they retained Trent Bulky, who was the interim at the time, right? And we were like, wow, that would be such a Jacksonville move. Is that worse than the reality we see right now? Like is Doug Marone and Trent Bulky worse than the pairing of Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky? Like I feel like this team is just organizationally from the top working its way down is just a dumpster fire, man. Like it is because even when they get a new coach, you still have Trent Balky calling the shots for the roster management for now. Like, is it going to get that much better that quick? You know what I mean? Well, I think the directive from the ownership has to start laying down foundation for what they expect, you know, and, and that, that has to be consistent with decision-making all the way through. You know, I'm not a Trent hater. I, I don't think he was the best person for the job, you know, and that and, and I know Trent. I worked with him in, in San Francisco, and I'm not trying to be mean to Trent here, but I think the best, the way this team in the offseason was set up was for a fantastic drafting college-style GM to come in. They had 12 draft picks. Like you said, they have draft capital coming up this year. They It would have been that kind of situation, and honestly – Going with a younger coach maybe would have been better too. Be high energy, bring the raw raw college atmosphere to the field because you're going to have a young, you know, college aged team, right? So I, you know, again, a, a guy like Ed Dodds to me, like I told you, was a guy that I would have called up and done, and then the Philadelphia coaching staff probably would have wound up down in Jacksonville. You know, because that Philadelphia coach uh, that is was the offense coordinator at, you know, the uh, Colts last year. So you probably would have seen that coaching staff with Trevor Lawrence and Ed doing their thing in Jacksonville, having a young energy throughout the building from player to GM to coaches. And that, to me, would have been a really special place to go play. And I think that would have attracted some good free agents and stuff, too, that Ed would have, would have cherry-picked and went after. So, you know, that's the kind of style I was hoping Jacksonville would go to when we when we talked about the coaching carousel last year. You know, this year, I, I'm not a hater on Trent. I'm a hater on Urban Meyer. I've never liked him. I don't like him at all. I don't think he's a good coach. I think he wanted the Texas job, but he wanted $10 million a year to do Texas when Sark heard that. He came in at six. They said, good, let's go. We get this Alabama coach who used to be the head coach at SC. Let's do it. Boom. And Urban was stuck and needed a job, so he took Jacksonville. Now SC is already uprooted and ousted their coach. I would not, after week three or four, it would not shock me if Urban pulled a Petrino and freaking quit, left a note on his desk, and took off for SC. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It would not surprise me either, to be honest. But let's let's stop harping on them too much. We're both on the three-meter for the Jaguars. Moving in. To the Indianapolis Colts, this is an interesting, David, because roster-wise, not a bad roster. Good coach Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, we've talked very highly of, a general manager, of course, for some time now. I start the last one. I'll let you start here. Panic meter on the Indianapolis Colts currently at 0-2. The only, only, only reason mm-hmm. I put them at a 2 
mm. is because of Carson Wentz. Hmm. I didn't absolutely see that, didn't see that coming. Didn't see despise that coming. Carson Wentz. You despise him. Wow. I've never liked him. You can look oh, at my yeah. reports when he came out of school. I didn't like him. I thought he was a fraud. I still think he's a fraud. Now he's got two sprained ankles. What, did you go jump off a roof where you're a golden god and went into the freaking swimming pool wrong? Like, I can't. I don't. No, this kid, just please stop with Carson Wentz, please. And yeah, you on TikTok, I see you. No, Carson Wentz is a fraud, okay? So understand this. He, he's he's terrible, all right? They, they, the Eagles never win a Super Bowl if Carson Wentz was the actual healthy quarterback for that run. It's just not It's you not know, you know. You know Carson Wentz was probably in the front running for the MVP, and they were like 11-1 and one when he got hurt, right? Yeah, I know, and then he made a bad decision. I watched the game. He made a bad decision when he made that run. And I'm like, no yeah. No argument there. No argument that, there. I was like, yeah, that's about right. He's going to, you know, it's kind of him and Jared Goff. They're going to shit the bed at some point because it's just who they are. You know, it's just who they are. I mean, again, if you look at the, the Indianapolis Colts, you know, they have good starting position. They're over two minutes in possession. You know, they're a team that when it comes to a point differential, I believe they're only, what are they at? Uh, they're minus 15, Close. two touchdowns, yeah. you know. Um, so it's not terrible. It's not like what we just talked about. The Jacksonville Jaguars are minus 26. I mean, they've given up 60 points and only scored 34. Again, right. respectably, 60 points is terrible, right? So, you know, that that being said, I think Indianapolis has a defense that they can will mature a little bit. They got a couple areas they got to build around, but they have they're getting some injuries too, like being honest. I mean, Quiddy Pay did not play, he had a hamstring. Rose, Xavier Rhodes had a calf did not play. Brandon Smith, the offensive guard has uh he he didn't play, he had a foot injury. Uh, Darius Leonard, ankle, uh, Jack Doyle, you know, uh, didn't play. He had something going on, I think, personal. Eric Fisher's limited with his Achilles. So it, when these players become healthy, that defense and that team becomes better. When those players are on the field, they'll be better, all right? But I'm giving them a two right now, and I would, and again, I wouldn't even be at a two with them if they had a different quarterback. I really wouldn't. I would say they're a one. They're going to get it figured out. They're going to be fine. But they got that quarterback. I can't support it. They're a one. They're a one for me, uh, mostly because they are in a terrible division. Absolutely terrible. Jacksonville Jaguars we just talked about. The Houston Texans are one and one. But, like, what's the stay power with that type of team, with that roster that we have ridiculed for most of the offseason? Tennessee Titans do not look good so far either. They are not. They do not look strong, to say the least. Even after their uh, their late game win this past weekend, they still do not look like they're very strong right now, especially defensively. So Indianapolis is in a very below average division there, and I am buying into the fact that they have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They have some weapons, and they have a really good running back, and they have a good defense. Anytime that we have a powerful offensive and defensive line, we have a chance. And I understand that your your frustration with Carson Wentz, and trust me, for a long time being right outside of Philly, I was a Carson Wentz apologist because I saw some talent, and I'm out on him. Like, I'll be very honest. Like, I'm not with the Carson Wentz is franchise quarterback, long-term. Like, I'm, not, I'm out on that respect with Carson Wentz. But in this division, he's good enough to make the playoffs. Absolutely. So I am at a one right now. See, I don't think they're a top six the team. Is good. I don't. 
Not not with him at quarterback. He's not a top six. In that team. division, who's going to – David, I mean, honestly, who who are we picking over them? Jaguars, absolutely not. The Texans, absolutely not. Them and the Titans are going to be neck and neck, in my opinion, because I don't. I think the Tennessee Titans are a very flawed team. Very flawed. The first couple weeks, they've, they're, they've, they've been exposed to tackle. Their tackle position is really hard. But, again, last week we saw the run train coming downhill, and that's a big man coming downhill. So – you know, Tannehill only defense. has to make a couple completions a week, man. But that defense, man, I'm just not buying into that Tennessee. I, and it's weird because Mike Vrabel, that's what he does, right? Like he's a defensive guy. <laughs> and their defense right now the last two years, last year it was bad. This year it looks bad. It looks really bad. They're like, I know. They've, they've already given up 68 points in two weeks, and they're minus 22. I know we're only talking about 0-2 teams, so I'm not going to get too deep in this, and we're already 51 minutes in. But <sighs> – but again, they scored forty six. They've they've given up sixty eight. They they really have to sew up that defense, and they have to do some stuff on special teams to make the offense go. But we did see Henry this past weekend. Really, you know, they they queued him up and they let him go. And obviously, you know, they're going to do a lot of that the rest of this year. Yeah, well, we'll see how it works out again in that division. I think they have a good chance. We're going to move on to the Detroit Lions, another team that you know. And we could have predicted would be in this situation at this point before the season. Now, Jared Goff has actually played a lot better than I think a lot of people anticipated. He's playing solid football. And I put on Twitter yesterday, man, like he is a passable NFL quarterback. He's not a long-term solution. He's a stopgap. Like that is what he is. But he's playing pretty solid football. I know he kind of really, to quote David Turner, shit the bed at the end of the game yesterday. I was going to say he shit the bed last night. But comparative to what Goff has been in a situation that he's in, he's played pretty well. Um, the offensive line, I think, is good. They're in a right, good spot with Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker. They have some dudes on the offensive line, Jonah Jackson at guard. Defense is a mess. So the panic meter is on a three for this year, absolutely. But I don't think long-term it's a bad situation. I think it's an okay situation. But for this year, it's absolutely a three in my opinion. Now, I don't see a lot of wins coming out of Detroit this year, but the, you know what? Dan Campbell and his crew, they have them fighting. They do have them fighting, and those guys are trying. I mean, their their secondaries injured a ton. Um, their running backs, Jamal and and Swift, were, have are already limited. Um, I, I you know our boy Malafanu last night got hurt, so he was out. And they had another rookie come in. They have the youngest secondary in the league, which you're never going to win with that. But again, building blocks, right? Building blocks. They were left with a very bare cupboard. So yeah, you're there at a three. I don't see much improvement. I or I, I shouldn't say much improvement. I don't see many wins coming out of there. But they're going to be a hard fighting team, you know, this year. And they have they had a good draft. Um, I think next year, you know, building on it will be good. And again, like you said, golf. I'm not a big fan of golf, but he's you know he's throwing at 68.8 percent. He's already got 584 yards, five touchdowns on the season. They're 0-2, but they're battling. I mean, at halftime last night, they they were in the lead. Second half, you know, obviously, Green Bay with all their horses. I mean, Andrew Jones, there's not a lot of teams that have answers for a, a running back that can catch four touchdowns in a, in a night. You know what I mean? Not many linebackers can line up and, and uh, take that guy on and, uh, you know, shut him down. And, last, and again, last night, Goff was a leading rusher. I think that was a play-calling terrible decision. Um, really swift and Jamal Williams as a one, two punch. They're a very formidable one, two punch. Uh, you need to get them the ball 
and pump the pump. You know, this offense needs to pump through the running backs. I mean, both these running backs have about 11 receptions on the year already. Swift has 12. Jamal has 11. Um, you know, run, rushing wise, they're only at 16 and 19. So it's like you're, you're using your running backs to catch more balls and run the ball. With that offensive line, they actually are big people. They need to lean on people. They need to push them. They need to get around because their average per rush, if I, if I have my stats right, are like four yards and four and a half yards per rush. So, you know, you got you got some time. You got some – if you're getting four yards every freaking play, that's a first down in, in three plays, you know. There's movement. There's movement for sure. Yeah, so – you know, instead of throwing the ball so much with golf, just pump the ball, run the rock, go downhill. I mean, you got a great tight end. I mean, this guy has been targeted 20 times and has got 16 receptions, two touchdowns. He's averaging 10.2 yards a catch. You know, use what you got. Be smarter with your play calling and, and, and use what you got. You're a three, but you could easily be a two in a couple weeks. Yeah, they are um... – they're a young team. We'll see how they kind of – here's a weird stat for you, David. I heard this one yesterday. Um, after the first game, they were they were the first team in NFL history to have two running backs with eight receptions or more and a tight end with eight receptions in the same game. So Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and TJ Hawkinson all had eight receptions in game one, which was kind of a crazy stat just to kind of think about for a second. I'm um, talking about the usage of the running backs in the passing game. They were definitely using them in the first game. Moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, it's to Atlanta Falcons. Oh, David, do you want to start this one or do you want me to? I have well, thoughts. I have thoughts. <laughs> you, well, you have thoughts. I have I have thoughts. Uh, it's, we didn't think the Atlanta Falcons were going to be really good. Let's be honest. We didn't, we didn't go, oh, my goodness, this team's going to be incredible this year. Neither one of us did. But let's be frank here. I mean – this is bad. I mean, the Atlanta the Atlanta Falcons, they're a minus 49 in point differential. They've that's given bad. up 80 points in 2 weeks. Is that bad? 2 weeks, 80 points and it's not like they've played like they've played Philly, who again is decent but he's not a juggernaut and then they went and played uh who they play this week? Um who they play? Uh, they they played. Uh, I know this. I know this. Keep talking, and I'll look it up. I know. Yeah. This. So they didn't play juggernauts. Let's be honest. They're not like playing. You know, guys that were like, oh wow, they're gonna get handed. Buccaneers. Home. Buccaneers. They got okay. So they got the box. The defending champ box. Okay. So they played one juggernaut. One team that people were like, they're gonna probably be at the bottom of the NFC East. Okay. And so, gave up thir- and gave up thirty two points to that uh, Eagles team that was anemic last year offensively. But yeah. Right. So again, this is a three. This is a major fire sale. This is oh my god! Hold on, you could be an over the first zero and seventeen team. You know when you're giving up eighty points in two weeks, I believe that's the most points given up so far in the first two weeks. And I haven't done a historical reference to that, which I should, because I don't, I can't recall another team giving up forty or eighty points in the first two weeks of any NFL season. So if there's somebody watching that wants to jump in and ask let's do that you know let me know but uh yeah i'll be honest with you they're a fire sale they're it's just awful i mean i could go into all the stats but they're all pointing one way hit the ball hit the button ring the bell you know throw the towel in from the corner it's over (laughs) we have one more team so i'm not going to go crazy in depth on this all i will say man is 
and I've talked I talked about this right after the draft happened. So I'm not I'm not a guy that's like, oh, Captain Foresight, right? Like I, I obviously, right? But I or Captain Hindsight, I should say. The Atlanta Falcons with the fourth pick, although Kyle Pitts is a fantastic football player, and he was worthy of being a top ten selection. There's no doubt in my mind, talent wise. If the Atlanta Falcons were not sold on Justin Fields, which is fine. If you weren't, that's cool. That's cool. But if you're not sold on Justin Fields, you had to take Penny Sewell, man. You had to. You had to take him. And I know we were talking before the show, Michael Parsons, one of those guys you had to take. Taking a tight end, pass catcher, that is the most that is a that is a privilege for a good team that just so happens to be picking top 10 for some reason. That's a luxury. That is a luxury pick. When you're a bad roster, you have a quarterback that is aging, that is in a completely different window than the rest of your roster. And you have an offensive line now that I keep watching Caleb McGarry at right tackle be absolutely putrid. And I watched the left guard in the first game against the Eagles. Um, the left guard, uh, Jalen Mayfield, the rookie out of Michigan, who was a right tackle at Michigan playing in a guard, and he got abused by John Hargrave. And yeah, Hargrave got him. <laughs> man, Hargrave got him, and then their backup, um, his name's escaped me for a second, got him too, man, a couple times. It is a – it's implorable to think what they did to this roster. When you had a number four selection, you chose to take a luxury – when your roster is bad and you have a quarterback in a different winning window. And again, if you weren't sold to Justin Fields, that's cool, man. I'm hearing you, and that's fine. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. You're not sold on cool. Don't take a guy just because you're desperate. I get it. But there are players on that field, on that, on that board, that were more valuable than Kyle Pitts. Not saying that he's necessarily not worthy of that pick. Again, I keep reiterating that because I think talent-wise, he's a top-10 pick. But when you have a roster that Atlanta Falcons have, you cannot make that pick. You cannot do it. And I like Arthur Smith. I thought he was worthy of a head coaching job. He was Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. He did some good stuff with Tennessee, man. He really did. Had a really good offense over the last couple years. But right now, my panic meter is on a three for this season. Absolutely on a three because this roster is bad. Like, it's a bad Bad roster. And again, we're talking about the best teams in the NFL are built through the offensive and the defensive lines. On the defensive line, the Atlanta Falcons have Grady Jarrett and they have nothing else. On the offensive line, they have uh, Matthew, Jake Matthews at left tackle, who's a good football player. And the rest are replaceable football players. Absolutely replaceable. This is a dumpster fire. Like, Hold on real quick. Last, last stat here. I know we're going to go on to one more team, but... Yeah, they've yeah. given up 520 yards passing mm-hmm. on 71 attempts in two weeks. Yeah, eight touchdowns, in eight weeks. in two weeks. Only one rushing touchdown, but they've given up on 52 rushing attempts. Yeah, 255 yards, an average of 4.9 yards a, ca- a carry, and on, uh, on a catch per catch, it's a 6.9 yard average. I've done this 18 years, folks. 18 years I've been in the business. Those are some of the highest totals I've ever seen. And eight passing touchdowns in the first two weeks. 
Gave up is, five is on, it's un, it's unheard of. Unheard of. Gave up five to Tom Brady as, uh, this past week, man. And I, I I said it. I was like, wow, Tom Brady's going through se- – he's on pace for 72 touchdowns at 73 years old. It's insane. It's insane. That's 73 years old. It's insane that he keeps doing it. Last team. Last team. Let's get back on track. New York Jets. You go so, first. Yes. So I was – I uh, I told I've been talking about this all offseason, right? I like the Sala hire at, at head coach Robert Sala, former defense coordinator of 49ers. I like Joe Douglas. I think he's done some pretty good things with the draft. Um, this is a three though for me, and I guess I've been on almost all threes except for the Indianapolis Colts here. But it's a three, man. It's a three because Mackay Becton got hurt your left tackle, so your tackles are bad now. Your offensive line is you know pretty bad to be honest. Like in general, you have. No running backs. I know people like Michael Carter, the rookie out of North Carolina. He's a rookie and he's five foot seven and a hundred and 195 pounds. He is not an every down back. He is a complimentary piece. Okay. Why receiver wise? Denzel Mims is nowhere to be found. Corey Davis is okay. And Elijah Moore is a rookie. You have no tight ends. Your tight ends are awful. And then, like, let's be honest, Zach Wilson looks awful right now. Like this past week, at one point, he was two for five passing with three interceptions. Literally every incompletion was an interception. You ended with four interceptions this past week. And your defense, and we knew this, it is an overhaul on defense. It's going to be a couple years before that defense is good because there was no talent. It was vacant when Robert Sala got there. And again, I love Robert Sala. I like Joe Douglas. I think they are smart, good football guys that are going to get this turned around. But for this season, it's bad. And the worst thing is, long term, you might have made the wrong decision at quarterback, which is going to set you back for a few years. So it is a might might have well, might have you, you know you know that I wasn't as high. He was he was my fourth ranked guy out of out of all of them. I was like, why is he the second ranked guy? I don't understand. Where I was I? Where was I? You were probably around the same four or five would be. I guy. said he was crap at the beginning. I said I've scouted the kid. He's a petulant child. He's two games away from probably going into the fetal position and sucking his thumb. You know, he's not the guy that they. He's a fraud. I watched his workout. I thought his everybody's gloating about this one ball, his throw. It hung up there forever. I'm like, in the NFL, that ball's a that's a pick. I don't care if it's a completion against air. In the NFL, that's a pick because he had floated up there so much. And this kid, they were coming in. Oh, he doesn't have that much, that, that many interceptions. Oh, really? First two freaking games of the year. Five interceptions to two touchdowns. Five interceptions in the first two weeks, buddy. Okay? So, and, you know, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just like, you know, it's, it, he, and again, he's thrown 70 times for 391 yards. He's got two touchdowns. Five interceptions, and this team is not like you said. They're not running the ball efficiently. Um, you know, their average per drive points is under a point. Their opponents is over two point. They're at point eighty three points. I mean, they're not putting it up. Their starting positions at the twenty three point eight. You know, time of possessions decent. It's actually decent for what it for what they are. Uh, what they're getting the results. They, they're averaging two point. Uh, two minutes and 32 seconds per possession, which is almost on league average, but then their result is a turnover, or or you know, or they're not getting it done. They're not. They're not. Their scoring results suck. So, and then the defense. Yeah, the defense is. I mean, they they crawled into a bad defense. Saw that there's only so much he can do. I mean, there's just there's just only so much he can do. 
Um, you know, I like Joe, as you know, but I did not like the getting rid of Sam Donald. And now you see Sam Donald, you know, flourishing down there. Uh, you know, once he got rid of Gase off his back, the monkey got off his back, and he's down there in Carolina. They're 2-0. and They're on the opposite side here. And, um, you know, I'm happy for Sam Donald because I think he got persecuted for stuff that wasn't his fault. But when you're looking at this defense, there's just not much there to build around. And their their main pass rusher got hurt in training camp. So, yep. you know, it's going to be hard. And, again, we've been talking about point differential all night. You know, they're minus 24. They're, you know, they've scored 20, given up 44. They're minus 24 point differential. And, you know, you're just not going to win a lot of games that way. You're just not. And I'm surprised by that 44 points because that's actually not – Awful through two games. Like it's like we talked about. We just talked about a team that's giving up eighty points in two games. So forty four is not really that bad. Twenty two a game is not great, but it's not putrid, you know. So it's not. I mean, if you look at like the elite defenses, let's just call it what it is. Like the Bills, yeah. Patriots are they've given up twenty three. Okay, um, even the Ravens have given up sixty eight so far. So forty four is not terrible, right yeah. now. But you go into you know, uh, defenses like the Broncos, they've only given up 26 and their offensive score 50. So they're a plus 24, right? Um, you go into uh, other teams like, um, hold on here. You give up, like, you know, again, we were talking about the Washington football team, right? Yeah. Their defense has given up 49. Their offensive scored 46. So they're one and one on the season. They're a minus three in the differential. Cowboys are a plus one. Eagles are actually a plus 20, right? And they're one and one on the season. When you're down, though, in like minus 49s, minus 26s, I mean, that's just a differential that we historically don't see good rebounds from, right? You you know, the Saints even are 16. They're on the positive side. Um, So, you know, Seahawks are nine and Cardinals are 26 and they're 2-0. and Rams are 23 and Niners are positive 14. So if you're digging yourself out of that kind of hole historically and you're 0-2, it's just not going to be a good season. And, you know, your fans just need to understand that. 0-2 is usually the kiss of death. Most people in a 16-week season, 0-2, no no chance at all. Getting to the Super Bowl playoffs are very – it's only happened a handful of times. But when you have these point differentials, like, it's really, really hard to undig that those holes. Absolutely. So I think that's a good way to end the podcast for tonight. We want to thank you all. If you could give us a like, share, subscription, and rate for this podcast. If you enjoy it, tell a friend. Make sure that you give it the, you know, just put it out there, man. Word of mouth is always the best way to get a good product out there. So we appreciate everybody that has followed along with us live here at 8.30 Eastern time on a Tuesday night. We appreciate everybody again for all the continued support. Going to end us with our final shots of the night. David, if I could start here tonight, I would just say my website, riseanddraft.com. We actually have a remodel that is going to be pushed out here at the end of the week. Site looks fantastic, man. Not to toot my own horn for a second, but we have the draft database on there. We have the mock draft simulator. We have, we have early preliminary reports on players. We have weekly articles. We have it all we hope that you come and check out RiseOfDraft.com. David Turner, how would you like to end it, as always, giving you the last shot of the night? Woo, baby. Let's go. Let's get after it. You know, what i just like to say is thank you to everybody who joins us each and every week live, each and every week downloads our podcast, who enjoys us. You know what I'm saying? Like, follow, share, like Ryan says, every week. Uh, let us know that we're doing a good job. Give us a little pat on the back. And also contribute. 
we're here for you guys to contribute. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Give us an idea, something you're wondering about, something you've always wanted to hear from an expert of my, like myself, uh, you know, what you're curious about, whatever. Let's know. Let's go. Let's get it on. Let's let's get after it. And don't forget to like, uh, like, follow, and share our programs, but also interact with Ryan, myself, on social media. We love interacting with our fans and our friends. So, you know, we're always up for more chatter on the social media, too. For sure. Risingdraft.com, AvericSportsConsulting.com. Make sure to check out all the sites. Again, share it, rate it, subscription, all that good jazz. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Please enjoy your football this week, and everybody stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.